0: hi you're listening to the home hour this is the show where we talk about family food parenting managing a home and everything that goes on inside your four walls i'm your host megan francis mama five and creator of the happiest home blog i'm glad you're here Hey everyone and welcome to episode 64 of the Home Hour. This week I welcome back regular featured guest Karen Walrind who is the voice behind the blog Chukalooks. She's also a professional photographer and an author and Karen and I are going to be talking about taking better photos today. Um, whether you are a total beginner and just want to learn how to take better pictures with your iPhone or your smartphone or whether you just got your first real grown-up camera and want to know how to get out of auto mode. We cover all of those topics from beginner, you know, from way, way beginner up to like more intermediate. And Karen has some really great concrete ways to help you think about things like light and shutter speed that maybe you just aren't really clear on how they work or how to take better photos um, by manipulating those things. So, Karen and I had a great conversation. Also, wait till the very end because she's giving away a 30% discount on her ebook, um, which is on Beginning Photography, and it goes over a lot of the things that we'll talk about in the show. So make sure you listen through all the way to the end to get the coupon code for that. Uh, hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Karen. Glad to have you on the show again. Welcome. Oh,
1: it's great to be back. It's good to hear you, hear your voice again.
0: It's been a little bit of time since we talked last, and I know you've had a very busy summer and fall now. Well, I guess it's fall now. So <laughs> yeah,
1: officially, <laughs> officially, as we record fall. this today. Yes. yes.
0: Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Uh, <laughs> but you've been traveling quite a bit. I
1: have. It's been pretty crazy. You know, I, I I do a lot of public speaking and it, there seems to be sort of a season. Like usually it's sort of April to October is my speaking season. Mm. But this year it started later. So it's kind of going from like August to December this time. So that's tricky. I'm, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's great because I get to, you know, meet awesome people and, yeah. and go to places that I've never been before. And sometimes if I'm lucky, like I recently went to Minneapolis and um, had a couple of hours, which I didn't think it was a day trip. I was flying from Houston to Minneapolis. And I thought this is just gonna be insane. I'm just gonna go talk and come back. And I had couple of hours and so I got to do a little photo walk while I was there which was oh. which was very very cool so there are definitely plus sides to the re- the schedule
0: yeah yeah I was just thinking like you know for me my travel tends to focus tends to kind of concentrate around spring and a little bit in summer and for some reason that's a really manageable time but this time of year I just kind of want to be home I don't know
1: yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I'm trying to. The reason for the day trip was because I, I I'm trying to minimize the number of days I'm away from home. So, um, so yeah, so that means some grueling schedules. But yeah, it's yeah. all good.
0: It's all good. Well, you know, there there's worse problems you could have. Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> so you got to go on a photo walk, which is great. Did you set that segue up for us to talk about photography today?
1: I sort of did. Look <laughs> oh, well, <listen> at you.
0: <laughs> okay, so as we've covered in a recent episode or in our previous episode, when we talked kind of about how you, um. Made this transition from your old life as a lawyer, a practicing lawyer to your you know, now career as a photographer, and author and blogger. Um, you know, the photography part, I think, is so fascinating because there's so many people who, a either just want to take better pictures. Sure. and that's all of us, right? And then there's yep. the people who actually could see themselves doing it in a in a larger way. And you did both. So let's kind of back up and talk about where were you when you were in your life as a as an attorney. Um, did you take, were you a photographer then? Were you the one people always handed the camera off to, or was this more of a recent thing?
1: Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I haven't, I wasn't recently an attorney. I mean, like, you know, I've been an yeah. attorney for 20 years, so I would not call, I've, and I've been shooting for 20 years, so I would not call it, um, a recent thing. Right. But, um, so, uh, so is, is it okay for me to divulge a secret just between you and me and the thousands of people who will be listening to this? Absolutely. <laughs> So, while I was um, in law school, I actually um, did a stint of modeling. <gasps> this was many, many years ago. Okay. Many, many, many years ago. And um, as I was, and it, modeling was never ever going to be something that I was going to do full time. I mean, I was in law school. I already knew where I was going to go with my career, but it was something sort of fun. I did it on a dare, and um, I was getting a lot of work, which was sort of fun. And it was kind of a nice uh, break from studying from my law books, and so I was getting toward the end of my uh, my law school career, and um, and I had you know I had a job lined up and I was getting ready to take the bar exam, and I had also at that time befriended a great guy, um, a photographer named Joseph Berard, who is still here, a fashion photographer, and I asked him one day uh, if he would uh, come with me to help me buy a camera because I'd always. Like sort of loved the idea of um, of photography but i had grown up really believing that I wasn't artistic you know I, I was really good at math and my parents kept telling me no no no, you're not artistic you're good at math um, mm-hmm. so hence engineering school and law school you have an analytical mind um, but I was always sort of like but photography is kind of cool and I remember even as a little girl like asking my dad to get me a really good camera and he bought me like one of those Kodak Instamatics you know mm-hmm. <laughs> the little thing so yeah. so it was never anything so I thought you know I'm gonna I'm I'm about to be a lawyer, I can afford to get a good size camera um like one of the real ones and it's just going to be cool. So I asked him, I said would you come with me? He goes, "Well, what kind of uh, photographs do you want to shoot?" And I said uh, ones like you. And he kind of balked a little bit <laughs> he was making, And I said, "Look, the the real thing, the the truth is that I just want one day I'm going to have a family. I, you know, I hope to be married, I hope I'm a mom, and I'd like to be able to take great pictures of my family without having to pay for it. And he said, okay, we can work with that. So, um, so he decided, he said, okay, we're going to go out and you are going to, this was, like I said, 20 years ago, this would have been in nineteen twenty-one years ago, 1994. Um, and so he said, we're going to go out and we're going to go to, um, this amazing camera store here in Houston called Houston camera exchange. Um, he goes, that's the only place you want to buy your camera. And we are going to spend minimum $500 and we are going to buy you a secondhand camera. And I remember thinking, that is nuts. Like uh, yeah. $500 for an old camera. So my friend insisted that this was the only way to do this. Like the only way was to spend this kind of money on a camera. So I was like, all right, fine. And we went to the we went to the store and I literally spent $501 on an <laughs> old camera body. It was a Nikon um, film camera that was at the time probably a good... 15 years old and Um, what was the price range
0: for cameras like in those days i mean i know that's changed a ton
1: well he the same day that he and i went to buy my camera he bought a camera for himself um and he but he's a professional right and i remember he spent like two thousand dollars on a brand new camera but still film right so this is like like digital still wasn't really a big deal you could get like digital point and shoots but like digital slr cameras were not that big yeah and, um, and even if they were coming on the market, like photographers were still using what they knew, which was, which was film. So, so we bought this and it was just like a, a 50 millimeter, um, lens, which is basically a, a normal lens is what we call it. Um, and this camera body. And then he said, okay, and like, I'm hyperventilating having spent all this money, <laughs> even though he just you know, laid down thousands of dollars. Um, and he goes, okay, tomorrow we're going to shoot like, and you're only going to shoot black and white film oh my gosh. So I said, okay. Um, And so the next day he took me out and we just kind of went um, around the city. And he's, you know, he tried to teach me what aperture meant and what, you know, what ISO, I kind of knew already what ISO was about, but I didn't know what aperture was or shutter speed or anything or why they mattered. And he sort of tried to show me and you like, he's like, okay, look, and when you do this, but of course it's film. So I'm not going to be able to see anything right that i shoot until after the film's developed and so he's like well this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen whatever we shoot the thing i take it to get developed don't pick it up for a week later and i can't remember what i settings i use right like oh right right? (laughs) because i have no idea like that that stuff wasn't captured on film right like it like you know that stuff's captured on your digital camera now but so it was I mean, it was lovely that he, he took me out and I'm sure certain things uh, stuck, particularly about composition and that kind of stuff, but really nothing stuck. But, um, but I didn't care. I was like, okay, this is fun and I'm going to keep doing this. And so I, I shot all the way through while I was practicing law and I did a, um, My law practice, for the most part, was international. I did a lot of international stuff. So I would, like, fly to Argentina or fly to to Rio or, you know, fly to wherever and, like, always sort of book a few hours to myself Mm -hmm. so that I could go out and shoot. And, um, And, again, sort of really really didn't know what I was doing, like kind of could guess, but really, you know, and some of the shots were great and some of them were complete crap, you know. And also, by the way, this was a fully manual, so there was no autofocus. So like I'm fully doing everything with this. Um, And uh, eventually, I didn't actually get a camera, so that was 94. I didn't get married until um, 2002, and that's when my husband, and like the year later, my husband bought me a digital um, SLR. So I Mm -hmm. shot film for a long time. And then finally got the digital, the digital camera.
0: Wow. So okay. Now I know that everyone relies on digital cameras now, and I definitely do because I took a lot of terrible pictures back in the film days. Some of those canisters of film are still rolling around my house somewhere, I think, and have never been developed. But oh, you got
1: to develop them.
0: Go I know. Them. I've you know every now and then I'll find some and take them in. And one time it was like a party I went to and like when I was 12 years old, that was hilarious. I had no that's idea who awesome. any of the people in the picture were, except for myself, <laughs> no memory that's, of being at that party. It was, but it's fun. It's kind of like being in a, it's like a time capsule almost. Yeah, but. it's like Christmas. Like yeah, you it is. Yeah. It's awesome. But I wonder if there are things that kind of get missed now with digital film. You know, maybe there is something about the mystery of what's inside or not, not taking and not deleting a photo because you don't think it's going to look good. That's another thing I do often. I wonder if I'm even correct sometimes.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, um, so what was really interesting is I, I started shooting with with the digital pretty much exclusively for a long time after my husband bought this this camera for me, and uh, you know I, I I got pretty good at it, but I will tell you that I forgot a lot of what I had learned as far as lighting and that you know things like aperture and 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 shutter speed and all that I forgot a lot of that in in using the digital camera. Mm. And um, it came time for when I was writing my book. So that would have been in 2009, 2010. And I remember I was shooting something for, for my book and the, the photograph wasn't coming out the way I wanted it to. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, and I'm shooting this and it's just not coming out. And I, my husband, it's so funny, my husband, who's a pretty decent photographer himself, he... Uh, I was t- yell you know, I was kind of yelling at the camera and yelling. And I was like, this isn't coming out. And I know it's possible to get this shot. And I don't understand why I can't do it. And he said, well, how are you shooting? And I'm like, I'm shooting aperture priority, which is, you know, partially automatic. And he goes, why don't you shoot it manually? And I was like, <laughs> uh, "What? What? what? And, and he goes, you should shoot it manually. Like, of course it's possible. So shoot it manually. And I was like, Oh right, and so I had to really teach, and that was really the first time I started teaching myself aperture shutter speed. Like really, even with the film, it was total luck. Mm. And so, yeah, you know, it's you. I feel like to get to, to back to your question, I feel like when you shoot with these digital cameras that are so smart, um, far less your your you know your iPhone or your smartphone. Like they're so brilliant, but they are not as creative as you are. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. Like you can be way more creative with your machine than the camera is. Uh, you know, the camera has like sort of a certain range that it's going to adjust, but you can do way more cool things if you if you go manually. So I feel like that's one thing that that um, gets lost, particularly for people who uh, who are, you know, who don't have any interest in making a living at, at photography. Right. Right. Like you, you have, you know, who's going to take the time to learn to learn manual because it, it takes some time to learn it. So that's one thing I think that's missed. The other thing, um, which is something that I'm really uh, struggling with, even myself is we don't print anything. And you alluded to that yeah. yourself with your rolls of film. Like we, how, when was the last time you printed photographs that you took with your camera? You might download it and you might share it on Facebook or share it, you know, online, but we don't print anything. And I, I think we're, I think we are in a sort of a generation where um, there's going to be a whole lot of lost photography because, I agree. you know, like, for example, when was the last time you used a CD to download something, you know, on a CD, oh, I right? Remember. Like you use, <laughs> right. You use thumb drives or something. Yeah. The last time you used a floppy disk. And so the technology keeps changing so much on how we access yeah. our documents that who knows that, you know, I have thousands i know i have thousands of photographs that are stuck on now defunct laptops mm-hmm. that are stacked in my closet that i'm never going to see those photographs again and i find that really um really sad. So I'm actually sort of on this crusade about printing photographs, because I think that's the only way that we can guarantee that our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will actually get to see some of this stuff that we're making.
0: I like that. And, and you know, I, I would love to get your tips on, you know, the best services for that kind of thing. I will say I have gotten in the habit of making my mother-in-law a book for Christmas every year, and I just print it at Walgreens. I'm sure there are other better ways to do it, but there's a Walgreens five minutes from my house and I can have it in an hour. (laughs) It's a good way to start. Um, but just so there's some kind of a, just so that there's a something in your hand that you can hold, because like you said, you know, all of my pictures are either on my hard drive. A lot of them are in Google. So, um, because I started running out of space on my phone and on my computer, our pictures now just automatically upload, um, to Google photos, which is great in a way because they're I can get them from anywhere. So I can be okay. on my, I can be on any computer. I can be anywhere, but nobody else can see them.
1: Correct. And right. how
0: often does anyone actually, I don't think to log in there like every day. And so when I do, it's like this treasure trove of pictures that I forgot about. And one of my kids, it started for me with my son, William. Um, he's 11. And he was really the first kid who was almost entirely documented and digital right. photography. And he'll be looking through the boxes of pictures and say, well, where's all the pictures of me? Right, right. (laughs) Oh, you know, in my 15 and 17 year old, there's tons of pictures. They're terrible pictures, but there's tons of pictures of them. And I'm like, William, they really exist. I promise you, we'll look at them (laughs) next time. Next time I get out that hard drive or whatever it is. So I think you're totally right.
1: That's exactly right. Like there are there are certainly pictures of my daughter that. The only way you can see them is on Flickr because they're yep. stuck on a hard drive somewhere. And the sad thing is that when I uploaded them to Flickr, I uploaded them in low resolution. So even if I wanted to print them, the quality is not going to be that great. Yeah. If I if I decided to print them right now. So right. You know, one of the things I've actually been doing, and I particularly think that this is um true for our cell phone pictures, because we whip out that cell phone and document things all the time. And usually, mm. like it's rare you take out your cell phone to take a photograph of something that makes you sad. Right. Like it's right. always going to be a moment of joy, a moment of happiness. You know, your kid did something funny, or you saw a funny sign, or you're having dinner with a friend you haven't in a while, and you take a selfie with them. And so one of the things that I've started doing is I, because I'm such an avid journaler, Mm -hmm. every few months or so, I just print them on my, on my printer and just cut them out and stick them in my journal, right? Because I save all my journals. And so even though they're not like, um, in great, and you know, in great, photo albums or anything else like that or a book or created i know that it's saved somewhere and you know like i said you know my triple great grandchild one day might be going through my journals after i'm long dead and yeah. come across these images of what so do you do you print like.
0: them on on photo paper or just on regular old paper
1: Sometimes it depends. Yeah. Um, sometimes I do photo paper. Sometimes I just do regular paper. It depends on the photograph. Um, but like, particularly with my cell phone ones, I try to do that, um, a lot cause you know, you like Instagram is great, but who knows how long Instagram is going to last and what format it's going to look like 10 years from now. Right. Yeah,
0: or, no, or I, I totally agree. And you know, it's funny. I think, I think part of the reason we don't do that as much anymore as well is because, you know, Again, 10, 15, 20, you know, and beyond years ago, you sort of expected your family, the pictures that your mom took of you at your birthday party to look kind of crappy. That's right. just, It was kind of accepted. I mean, yes, they were professionally, you know, uh, printed out in a photo shop or whatever, right. but, but you did not they weren't going to look great. And now right. it's like the bar has been so raised, all of yeah. our pictures have to look so good that when we print them out, they don't look on paper or on photo paper the way... We want them, you know, that they look on our screen or on our tiny little screen. So yeah. I feel like that's really become kind of an unfortunate barrier.
1: That's such a great, that's such a great comment. I never really thought about that, but I think that's, that's really true. And I think, you know, what I think, Um, I don't know even how to respond to that. Like, you know, cause I, I shoot all the time and I shoot for a living. Um, And, I, you know, I, it's so funny because I, there's a part of me that is like, I love the idea of having a, as a photographer, I love the idea of having a bar of trying to create great shots. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also feel like, um, like maybe the world is to your point as world is tending toward styled, um, editorial type photography, as Mm -hmm. opposed to, um, photojournalistic documentary kind of photography. I feel like that's what people do. And, um, I don't know. Maybe I should be on a crusade on bring back the documentary. Like maybe, yeah. that's, what, maybe that's what I should do. But I think that's such a, that's such an interesting point. Um, I think it
0: can be both maybe. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be one, but especially for someone who's never going to, um, put the time in to take that really great lifestyle type shot because everyone wants their life to look like a magazine now. Yeah. that's sad. Um, and you know, for someone like me, it's nice to just kind of like I'll I'll once in a while I'll send a few pictures to Walgreens again. I'll go pick them up and I'm usually a little disappointed in the quality because again, they don't look as good as they look on the computer screen or on my phone. But mm. they still look better than the ones from my childhood. Right. The lighting is always still way better. The colors are better. I mean, everything about them is better. So, maybe well, we your could just
1: Well, camera is better as my well. My camera is mean, better, camera's right? It's not me. Better. Yeah. It's not like
0: I'm a better photographer than my well, mom no. was. I mean, I, I
1: truly <laughs> the photographer is made by the photographer, not the camera, right? But mm-hmm. the cameras do make a lot of things easy for us as far as lighting, right? Like that's a huge one that um certainly back in the film days, especially when you couldn't see the back of the screen, right? right. Like, that's a really hard one to do. So luckily for a lot of these point-and-shoes, they at least take care of the lighting for you. You know, composition right. and that kind of thing. You're on your own, and every right. photographer is on their own. The beauty of the cameras right now is that if you... If you take a photograph with today's cameras, you're pretty much going to be able to make out what it is you took a photograph of right. when you print them, right? Because they read the light better. With, you know, old film cameras, that was all you, right? The cameras at least do that much. Now, as far as composition and everything else, that's all you, right? Like, right. that's that that is your thing to do. Like, the photographer has to do that. But, um, but yeah, you know... I, I love, I just, I love that idea that there's a sort of um, unspoken competition on, on making sure that your photographs are perfect. I'd never, I honestly had never th- considered that. And that's so, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is. I think it's, well, I think it's more noticeable when you're not a professional Yeah, and you're just trying to take pictures of your kid's birthday party or Christmas morning or whatever. And there is that pressure to make them shareable <clears throat> and to look beautiful, especially if you're, you know, in the online spaces is profession. So it has changed things. But but the great thing is, like you said, the cameras do some of the work for you and that yep. does make it easier to start. So I would love to talk like through starting from some sort of the most basic, like taking a picture on your iPhone or cell phone, you know, tips for just for the people who are gonna kind of inhabit that space mostly. Yep. Yep. And then we can kind of ramp it up from there. <laughs> yep.
1: so. Okay. Well, yeah, I can. So the first thing that I would suggest, is, um, just kind of riffing off of, of what we were just talking about is, um, and this is just sort of a broad thing for photographers everywhere, whether or not you're, this is the first time you've ever held a camera in your hand, or if you've been shooting for years is stop comparing yourself to everybody else, right? Like, like I can go on to Instagram right now, and I could literally um, list off seven or eight photographers that I follow who's Images are so identical to each other that I can't really even tell you which person did it, right? right. Like there are certain trends that happen and everybody jumps on that trend. And I, th- I find that really sort of disheartening. I mean, I think photography, the word photography means drawing with light and it's an art form, right? It's, it's supposed to show you and not everybody else so stop stop comparing yourself to everybody else if and and stop with the rules right like you know the rules back when I was uh, starting out everybody's like never shoot into the light man I love to shoot into the light all the time I love absolutely facing the light source and shooting into it or you know that blur is bad you have to have focus come on blur can be awesome so Mm. you know my first overarching is don't don't listen to the rules and don't compare yourself with anybody else that's the first thing okay so that's that's Let's just start there. Um, now, as far as tips for everybody, I, I will. One of the biggest tips um, is when possible, particularly when you are starting out, go for natural light. Shoot in natural light over fake light, like mm-hmm. um, incandescent light or um, fluorescent light, you know, light bulbs. Uh, because no matter what your camera, even the really smart ones that you have here, they're always going to read daylight and true light better than any other, any other light. Like it probably everybody has. If you've ever taken a photograph where the the print or the result looked really yellow, Mm -hmm. that's usually because you've been shooting indoors under incandescent light or lamp lighting. And I mean, there are ways to fix it, certainly with, you know, white balance and more technical things about your camera or to fix it, you know, with Photoshop. But it's generally speaking, I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm like, process your photos before you squeeze the shutter, like process them ahead of time. So um, always go for light. And I will tell, the other thing I will tell you is, um, like I've been shooting now for 20 years and I have never learned how to use a flash on my camera ever. Um, flash is a whole other thing. Is it even possible?
0: Thing. I just don't believe it's possible.
1: <laughs> it, well, it is. I mean, like, yeah. there are there's certainly wedding photographers yeah. and there's, there's, who use flash a, a lot, know how to bounce flash off. And it's a really technical kind of thing. I've never learned that, right? Like, okay. literally in 20 years, I've figured out other ways to get around using flash a, as much as possible. So, um, for if you're just starting out, just always go with daylight. Always go with daylight. Now,
0: say, uh, okay, say that's a great tip, but let's just say that there's a super sweet moment that's happening in your living room right now. Yep. And it's nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what would hot. be your what would be your first? You know, is there a way to get around that as a beginner?
1: Okay. So, um, again, with post processing, which is you know Photoshop or like if you're using your cell phone, uh, your, your like filters on mm-hmm. you know that that, that can help um, some of it, right? Yeah. But the second the second one that I'm going to tell you, and this is this is. Um, Particularly if you're using um, not your camera phone, because your camera phone won't allow you to do this. But if you're using a point and shoot or you're using your big fancy camera, um, the ISO is like crucial for figuring out how to shoot in different types of light. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more technical, but it's actually kind of easy. Um And so this is the one thing that I tell all beginning photographers, learn this. Even if you learn nothing else for the rest of your life and you shoot fully automatically, learn this, okay? So the ISO, which is – I I don't even remember what it stands for. It's something standard of something in a French – it's a French phrase, so I can't even, like, remember what it is. But the way I like to think of it is they are the little – light catchers the little people that live in your camera that catch light okay (laughs) Okay. literally that's how I do it right okay so they're the little people that catch light okay so when you when you squeeze your shutter obviously a shutter is exactly what it sounds like it's a little door that opens and shuts right and lets light into your camera and what happens when you open and shut that door these light catchers catch the light and make your photograph don't okay. question me on the technology, okay? Just, with just their tiny with little catcher mitts, okay? So, exactly. They've got <laughs> yeah. little things, and they're sitting there grabbing all the light that they can in order to make the photograph, okay? okay. Yes. All right. So, when you look at ISO on your camera, the ISO is going to be a number that's usually a multiple of a hundred. It's going to be a hundred, 200. If you ever shot with film, you'll remember buying ISO 400 oh, film yeah. or thousand yeah. film or whatever, but it's usually a multiple of a hundred. So 100, 200, all the way up to some cameras, my camera goes up to 25,000, like, wow. but you know, usually up to 2000 or something like that. All right. So what do you do? This is how you remember it. If you're in a dark place, you need more light catchers to make the light. To make the photograph, okay, right? So if you're in a dark space, it's 9 o'clock at night, there's lamplight, stuff like that. Bump up your ISO to like 2,000, right? Okay. Because you're going to need as many light catchers as you can to suck in all the light it can when you open that shutter. If you're in the day like it is today in Houston right now, beautiful, sunshiny, not a cloud in the sky kind of day, you don't need that many light catchers. You just need a few, so go back down to 100. That, just knowing that, the number of light catchers is going to completely change how the range in which you can take your photograph.
0: That is wonderful. And- today. I've never heard it explained, so... <laughs> So, in a way that my mind can grasp, <laughs> right?
1: So the little people that live little in your people camera. In my camera, okay, there I like are that. little people who live in your camera that I won't go into, but the, the ISO <laughs> people, right, that live yeah. in your camera, that's just a really easy way to do it. And the beauty of that, here's the biggest thing because a lot of people, if it's dark, they immediately um, turn on their flash on their camera, right? Yeah. The problem with a flash is that there's two problems. One, it's never going to make the photograph look like what you see, right? Right. Because the light's immediately going to change, right? The light's different. So one, you may still get a good shot, but you're going to get a good shot with different lighting conditions because the flash is a different lighting condition. The second thing is, you know that annoying red eye that you get whenever you see somebody? That's the flash bouncing off the back of their retinas. It particularly happens with people who have light-colored eyes, right? So when you get those demonic red eyes, most of the, it, that does not happen without flash, right? So by knowing how many ISO, by by knowing how many light catchers you need, and sort of playing with that, you get rid of that ridiculous, like, demonic light kind of thing that happens for people. So that, that's probably my number one technical tip is to learn how to change the ISO in your camera now so you
0: said your camera goes up to 25,000 does that basically yeah. turn it into like a cat
1: night vision goggles pretty much <laughs> right like yeah. yeah now I will tell well actually so that's a really interesting point now the the reason why you might want to use flash in certain things is because like once you use flash you don't have to go up to 25,000 right because right. You're, you're adding light the problem with going up to really high ISO is that your pictures end up um looking in the in when we use shot with film it would be called grainy okay noisy so there's it looks granular right Mm -hmm. the higher the iso the more granular your shot's going to look right so generally speaking the tip is shoot with as low an iso as you possibly can get away with right like always just try to get it low 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 um, because the quality of your image as you get higher and higher and higher is going to sort of degrade That's why when you do night shots you get things and they look kind of grainy but you do something that's like in beautiful daylight even with your even with your cell phone because your your cell phone is making all that ISO changes for you like it's mm-hmm. reading the light and doing it at yourself so you'll notice like if you're shooting something by the campfire at night, it's going to look more grainy than if you shot it while you all were swimming during the day. And right. Late, right? and that's why, because it's, it's thinking about that ISO and it's saying, Oh, we need more light catchers. I'm going to bump it up. But what happens is it tends to get a little bit grainy. So, so, so that's, that's the kind
0: of thing you kind of just have to experiment
1: correct. and figure
0: out what, now, what about, um, pointing the flash upward? Do you, oh. I mean, you said you never really use flash at all.
1: I don't use flash. I'm never. not, you know, but, but, uh, you know, if you do use flash, that's exactly the kind of thing you think about. You think about how do you want the flash to fall on the subject, right? Mm-hmm. So you might shoot it upward, you might shoot it to the right or to the left, you might shoot it behind you and hope that it bounces off a wall behind you, and and um, therefore hits your light your your subjects without actually going right into their eyes, right? So there's all these different ways to do it. I literally I have no idea. I like to me when you when you add Flash. That means your ISO should change. That means your shutter sheet. And I don't know how to read that. That's that. I'm, I'm being completely frank here. That's like, like a
0: specialist kind uh, of.
1: I thing. think people yeah. who shoot with flash, especially if they do it well, are geniuses. It's not something that I'm comfortable with. And like I said, I've been shooting for 20 years. Right. And even like when you start to buy high-end cameras, like my big camera with the 25,000, it it actually doesn't have a built-in flash in it. Like I'd have to go buy a flash for my camera you know a lot of the Mm -hmm. the lower end cameras all have flashes with them but the higher end ones they tend to like be like no 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 no, because we know if you're spending this much money on a camera you're going to want to be able to manipulate the flash so we're just going to sell that separately is how it works so uh, all right. Yeah, so I you know, I, I would love to speak intelligently about Flash to you. Well that's I, okay.
0: I think most of us I think most of us who are home photographers know just don't use it. I just
1: yeah. It's <laughs> probably away. the best rule of thumb. Yeah. I, I just stay away from it. You know, yeah. I would love one day I need to learn how to how to use all of that. But um right. but because I don't do a lot of studio shooting and I'm be, um and I don't do uh weddings, like you know, it's right. rare that I do a wedding um shot. I it's I've never been sort of motivated to learn about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So that actually leads me to another question that popped into my head is I know for a lot of people when they buy their first real camera, um, the biggest challenge is what, what, what is like the best multi-purpose kind of lens? Because we don't all have hundreds of dollars to invest in different lenses for different uses. Yeah. And it feels like there should just be this one lens <laughs> that's yeah. like, if you're just a casual user, this is your lens.
1: So... Um, so my very first lens, when I went out with my friend to go buy that camera, my very first lens was a 50 millimeter, uh, lens. It was, it's called a 50 millimeter 1.4 lens. And I'll tell you what all those numbers mean in a minute. Um, so a 50 millimeter lens, um, in the photography, uh, in the photography community, we call that a normal lens. And what that basically means is what you see is what you get. Okay. Okay. So there's normal lenses, there's telephoto lenses, and there's wide angle lenses. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, a normal lens, literally like if I'm, if I'm photographing you Megan and you're standing five feet away from me, when I take the shot, when I look through my camera, look through that lens, you're going to look five feet away from me. Right. right? Okay. Um, If I use a telephoto lens, like a something more than 50 millimeters. So like a hundred millimeters, 120 millimeters, you're going to look close up. So I'll be able to make like, take like a tight portrait shot of you, right? Like a head, like a, a magazine headshot of you without having to get very close to you because I can stand far away, but the camera itself, you're going to, when I look through the camera, you're going to look closer to me mm-hmm. and I'll be able to t- take that. I have a, I have a 200 millimeter lens that is fantastic when I'm, shooting, like if I am shooting at a wedding, like say I'm at a friend's wedding and I'm shooting, I can take pictures of action that's happening across the room as if I'm standing right in front of them, but they don't see me. Right. So, so that's what a telephoto lens is. A wide angle lens is exactly what it sounds like. You get, it's great for, it's great for scenery, but you're going to look a lot smaller in the, in the picture. You're going to look farther away because I'm grabbing more of your background. When I use a wide angle lens, those are numbers that are less than 50 millimeters. So a 35 millimeter, a 16 millimeter, you can get fisheye where it kind of warps the whole thing, like 10 millimeters. So, Mm. um, so for me, if I were starting out, I would get exactly what I got when I was starting out, which is a 50 millimeter lens. It's exactly what it looks like. Um, I would get a fixed, a fixed lens as opposed to a zoom lens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So not one that goes from 70 to 200 or something like that. Um, And I'll tell you why in a minute, but I I think 50 is just a really good lens to start, to start learning with. Now, I told you I had a 50 millimeter 1.4 lens. 1.4 is the aperture opening. So it talks about how wide, the camp the aperture. There's like a little window. Um, I always call when I'm playing with my camera, I told you about the light catchers. I also mm-hmm. have the window opening guy, right? That's in my thing. And all the light
0: to- catchers are on the other side of the window. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> light catchers
1: are in the camera body. The window, the window opening guy is actually in your is in your lens, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. And that's what that 1.4 is, right? And that basically what that is, technically speaking, is how much total light gets into the camera before you open the shutter. Okay. The beauty of these numbers, so when you hear 51.4, you might hear 51.2, you might hit 55.6, 50, like they're, all, they're usually decimal numbers, okay? And what that will tell you, here's, here's, here's why if, as a beginner that matters. The smaller the number that you have, two things. You'll be able to go in darker places and not have to use your flash. Right. So mm-hmm. at dusk and stuff like that, that lens will be able to open up and have more light in it. That's one reason. So you always want and and literally lenses are priced that way. A one point fifty millimeter one point two lens is going to be more expensive than a 50 millimeter 1.4, which will be more expensive than a 2.8, which will be more expensive than a 5.6. Right. So so you always want to know, and that'll that'll give you the price. But the other thing is if you can think of like, if you've ever seen like a a portrait of somebody like, and their eyes are in beautiful focus, but then everything kind of fades into this buttery out of focus, like their hair is slightly out of focus Mm -hmm. and this dreamlike quality around them. All right. The smaller the number, the more you're going to be able to get that effect and it makes Mm -hmm. for beautiful portraits. So, so I always tell people get a 50 millimeter and get the smallest aperture number that you can get. So 1.4 is great. 1.8 is awesome. Um, 1.2 1.2 is, I don't own a 1.2, 1.2 would be mind blowing, but you know, one point, something less than two, 50 okay. millimeter is a great, great lens to start with. Like you'll know, I still use that lens that I bought was 20 years old when I bought it 20 years ago. And I still use that lens on my fancy digital camera. Now you'll, wow. you'll never, you'll never get rid of it.
0: Now, if someone is shooting purely an automatic, yep. are they able to do any, the camera doesn't know what you want. So what does the camera to What does the camera do? What does it think you want?
1: <laughs> okay, so the camera, what they're going to do, if you're using fully automatic, and I'm this is stretching my memory a bit because I don't, I don't, I rarely shoot fully automatically. Although there are certainly times that you want to, like you have a bunch of wiggly kids. Sometimes right. it's easier to have the camera think about, think about it for you. Um, so what the camera is going to do. Okay, so we talked about ISO, we talked about aperture, which was about the total amount of light that goes into your camera, and then there's also the shutter speed, right, which is how fast and how quickly that that little door opens and closes. So there's like a shutter speed guy that's in there as well. So if you're shooting fully manually, you are telling all of those guys what to do. The window opening guy, the shutter guy, and the light captures. <laughs> that's that is what shooting manually is all about, right? Is right. is telling all of those what to do you're the
0: foreman and you're, you're the foreman and you're like okay i
1: need this many light catchers and right. you need to open and shut the camera this fast and let's open the window completely wide or not quite as wide right? right that those are the things that if you're shooting fully manually you're thinking about what your camera does when it's automatic is first of all you probably if you don't shut the set the iso you're Your camera has a light meter in it and it's going to go, huh, this looks kind of like I'm looking at how much light there is here. This kind of looks like this looks like full on daylight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to adjust the ISO to be whatever X. Right. And given that, I'm just going to set the aperture and I'm going to set the eye to, to what I think is the range where you're safely going to be able to get a shot. Okay, so and which is great, and and cameras do a great job. Like I said, they do an amazing job of doing that. That's why you rarely nowadays get a shot with your cell phone where everything is blown out all white because too much light got into the camera, or a a shot is so dark you can't make anything out. Right? Your cameras are great about doing that. So it just reads the light and goes, ah, here's what I think will work, and you'll be able to make out whatever it is you're shooting. Right? What it won't do is maybe you want whatever you're shooting to be the focus and everything else behind it fades to black, right? Mm -hmm. Or you want that really sharp focus on their eyes, but everything else is slightly out of focus. Your cameras, your generally, your point and shoots are not going to be able to do that without you messing with them. So, um, but you'll get decent shots. Like you're going to get a shot where people are going to look at it. And if you frame it well, you're going to look at it, and you can get beautiful, wonderful shots, particularly landscapes where Mm -hmm. you don't have to um, worry about a lot of like you want everything in focus pretty much with a, a landscape. Cameras are great for that. That's why everybody takes a great sunset photo, right? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, that's because it, the camera that reads that and it's beautiful for that. If I'm if I'm taking a sunset photo, you know. I, you know, I, I do shoot manually, but it, you don't really have to like my manual shot probably doesn't look a whole lot different than if the camera took it automatically. Right. But that but is
0: place I... where a lens might make a big difference because I, one thing that I get frustrated with taking sun and I live on Lake Michigan facing the sunset. So I take a lot of sunset shots yep. Is the sun always looks so small <laughs> you know? Right, <laughs> because it's like, it's the same size as when I look at it in the sky, but when I look at it in the sky, it feels bigger.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and that's when you probably would use a telephoto lens, right. right? Like to bring it a little bit closer. Or if you, what you want is the vastness of the scenery of Lake Michigan, then you would use a wide angle lens, right? right. And the sun will still look small, but then you'll be able to see sort of the vastness of the sky and the vastness of, of the scenery in front of you. So that, yeah. So that's where, that's why you want different lenses. Um, also, I think I mentioned that I would use a fixed instead of a, a, a telephoto. Yeah. The reason why is because, the aperture on a fixed lens, that 1.4 number, is always going to be smaller than on a zoom lens. Okay. Right? So you're always going to get more light in. And when you're, when you're first learning, that's really something to consider. I actually didn't buy a zoom lens till like, maybe three lenses in. Um, and, and then, you know, and it's fun, but, but there are some frustrations as far as getting enough light in once you're, once you're really playing with the camera a lot. But, do you, but have
0: any, do you have any recommendations for someone who's always been shooting an automatic and wants to start slowly adding in more manual
1: photography. So you're talking about somebody who already has a camera, an SLR camera that you switch lenses out of. Um, So what I did is um, once you've gotten your ISO, once you've gotten your ISO kind of um, down, like you figured out light catchers, right? You figured Mm -hmm. out, okay, it's bright. I want low light catchers. If it's dim, I want high light catchers, a high number of light catchers. My first thing I would do is go to aperture priority, right? So, so what you can do is there's different levels, right? You can shoot fully automatic, right, and change the, and change the ISO. Or you can do it where, okay, camera, I'm going to play with the ISO and I'm going to play with the aperture and I'll let you figure out how fast that shutter needs to go. Okay. okay, that's called aperture priority because your aperture is going to take priority. That's the that's the window that's in your lens, right? Like that mm-hmm. that's the one that lends it. Or you can go shutter priority, where you can be like, okay, camera, I'm going to be one that decides how fast I want that shutter speed to go. You figure out how, how big to open up the window to let the light in, mm-hmm. right? Right, okay. So, so you, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so what I would always suggest is the first thing you should do is go to aperture priority, okay? So um, in a Nikon, for example, that's called A. You'll see a little symbol that says AV. Okay. Um, on a Canon, I think it's something else. Um, TV. I can't remember what the symbol is on T. I don't. I don't shoot. I don't speak Canon, so I'm not sure. But it's slightly different. But basically, look at the manual in your camera and figure out how to go to aperture priority. All right? Because that to me is the fun one to play with, and what that can do is you'll start playing with, oh, you know what, I really want that, that what I, you call a narrow depth of feel where the eyes are in focus and everything is faded backwards. So I'm going to start playing with what I, how much, how much of what I'm looking at I want in focus, right? Okay. And, and then the camera will figure out how fast to open the door. So, so the first thing I would do is that. Shutter priority is great. For example, like if you are, um, if you're photographing, let's say your, your kid's track meet, right? And your kid is doing hurdles, um, you might want, when you're shooting, to be able to mess with the shutter so that it's slow. And that way your 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 kid looks like a blur, mm-hmm. right? As they go back so to show motion. Or you might want to make it fast so that your kid looks like they're frozen over the hurdle when mm-hmm. you do it, right? And there's yeah. no blur at all. So you might say, okay, you know what? I'm going to control the shutter. I'll let the camera figure out aperture. More often than not, I think, unless you're doing sports, you're gonna it's more fun to do with the aperture priority. So that's what I would go to first. That's what I shot um for most of, when i got my my digital camera that's what i shot with most that's half of my book was shot that way until i had that frustrating day with my husband <laughs> i was <laughs> yeah. like i can't make it do what i want and he's like go manual and i'm like oh right okay that i can do that but that just going to aperture priority is going to open up a whole other world of what you can do as far as focus particularly with focus um um how much of you like if you want something that's really sharp in focus and then everything else is out of focus. Portraits are a really great way to do that, but it could be anything that you're shooting. Um, that can be really fun to start getting artistic with. And then really from either aperture priority or, or shutter priority, if you've been doing one or the other for a while, going manual, you'll get it. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that that's actually not as big a leap as you would think it is. So okay. that's um, start really helpful. fully. But the first thing you want to do is ISO. For God's sake, please, dear God, use, <laughs> change your ISO. Like That's something that... It's not tough, you know, it's the number of light catchers and it's, it's a pretty easy thing for everybody to grasp and it, it will help you particularly if you want to get off of the flash, if you want to let go of flash. Yeah.
0: Okay. This is really helpful. I want to briefly talk about, um, of composition. Okay. Because I feel like that's something where it feels like a very, like a huge mystery to people who aren't, don't consider themselves super artistic or just aren't professional photographers. And what do you keep in mind when you go into When you're going to take a photo and you're thinking about composition, what's the first thing, first things you're thinking about?
1: Um, Okay. So I already talked about looking for natural light, right? Right. For anything else. Um, So... The number one thing, let's just start from the very beginning. The number one thing that you want to look at, no matter if you're shooting a bowl of fruit or you're shooting your grandmother or you're shooting the scenery, mm-hmm. um, the, the sunsets on Lake Michigan, whatever you're doing, um, remember that photography means literally drawing with light, right? Your number one subject every single time, no matter what is the light, it's not what you're shooting, okay? Okay. And that concept of how to look for the light, right, which I talk about all the time, that concept can be a really difficult one, I think, for beginners to get because that's – so let's let's say that I'm photographing you, Megan, for example, um, and I've sat you down, and I'm now – the first thing I'm going to do is when I'm looking at you, at your face, I'm not even going to see your face anymore as much as I'm going to see what the light is doing to your face, okay? Okay. So if it's like noon and the sun is right up above us – Probably what's happening, right, if I'm shooting you out in the open, is that the sun is making your nose cast a shadow on your upper lip that looks almost like a little Hitler mustache. Right? <laughs> yes. Okay. I know
0: I know the look. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I don't want you in full sun. On, you know, that's where the sun is right overhead. That's why you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I hear noontime sun is the worst. It's the worst because it does really weird shadows. It doesn't, you know, shadows are harder to work with. So what I might do is go, oh, you know what, Megan, why don't we go under this overhang where I don't have the sun directly coming on the top of your head. It's going to come from, you know, from the outside under the overhang. And then those shadows will go away. Right. So Mm. literally that's the first thing you do is you look and see what is the light doing? Is the light dappling? Are we in a forest? And while this forest is really beautiful, when I sit you down, what I've got are tons of shadows of leaves on your face, which is not going to make for a pretty shot, you know, so I need to move you where there's not as many shadows of the leaf on your face. So that's the first thing I do is what is the light doing to whatever it is I'm photographing? And that's what that means when you say, look for the light. It's not whether or not there's enough light, but what is the light doing? Is it glowing? Is it reflecting? Is it, what is it doing? So that's the first, very, 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 very first thing. Okay. Um, once you figured out that, okay, I like the light, um, the light's doing it. It's not doing any weird shadows. There's no weird thing. Now, honestly, I think composition is kind of up to you. Like I hate really giving rules about composition there are certain rules that they say like there's something called the rule of thirds which says that whatever your subject is always looks more interesting if you set it offset it by you know a a third of the you know so it's not smack in the middle of the frame it's like off to a third of it maybe but sometimes things look better smack in the middle of the frame like I you know there's so much about um composition that it's just about playing with it. The other thing also, I guess, okay, so two things. One was look at what the light's doing. And then the second thing before you squeeze the shutter is check your background, right? Okay. Um, I remember my sister, she'd kill me if she knew I was telling you this story, but she she sent me a photograph that she had taken of her son um, playing a guitar. Like he was a toddler and he was like playing with a guitar. And she said, could you, could you fix this photograph with me of me? I, I Cause I love this photograph of my son. And so she sent it to me and I was like, you know, she didn't tell me what she wanted me to fix. She goes, can you fix this? And I got it. And the problem was that her daughter, who was a little bit older, was, like, lying on her back with her legs split wide open, right? <laughs> In, the In the background, right? Background, yeah. And so I'm like, you know, it's, you know, it's Photoshop. It's not a magic wand. Like, right. you know, you, you, you got to be mindful when you take a photograph of what's going on behind you. So if you get so
0: focused on what we think the subject is, we don't always see.
1: Correct. Exactly. You don't actually see what's happening. So you're taking a photograph of your daughter. That's really great. And then you get the picture and all of a sudden you realize there's a bunch of garbage cans sitting behind you or whatever, (laughs) right? Like, and so that's so always, the other thing I always do is just check your background to make sure that your cap background, the other, other less, um, more subtle things that you don't notice is like maybe you're taking a photograph of somebody and you don't realize that there's a light pole going out of the back of their head right (laughs) right. you know or something like that so you're like oh maybe I should shift to get that light pole out of the way so I am a big I'm a big believer of compose your shot and process your shot before you squeeze the shutter so Mm. look at what the light's doing look at what your background is and pretty much after that whatever you do is on your own if you've checked that you're fine. You're going to be, you can do everything, anything else you want. You want to shoot from below, from above, you know, whatever, up really, really close, far away. Um, do it. Actually, wait, let me, let me rephrase that. Uh, one beginner thing that people make a lot of, um, a lot, of, they, they, a mistake that a lot of beginners do is they don't get close enough. Mm, yeah. Um, and to fill the frame, like if you want to do a portrait of your kid, um, you, generally speaking, people err on being, far too far away. Okay. So feel close, feel comfortable getting close. Um, your camera will start, like you get too close, your can't, your lens will stop focusing, right? Like you'll be able to, you know, you, most things you want to be about two or three feet away and, and, and your camera will continue to focus. So just feel free to get in, to get in, into the shot, um, for, subject matter. And of course, if you're doing a landscape, then you don't have to worry about that. You know, you just right. go as wide as possible. But so that would be my thing. Those would be it. well. That's it very
0: complicated.
1: No, it's very easy. It's <laughs> yeah. really, it really is like use natural light, watch and see what the light's doing. Check your background and and get close and get as get, get, you know, check and see that you really are as close as you want to be, because a yeah. lot of people make that mistake. Right. Well,
0: Karen, this is all I mean, it's a lot, but I have to say I've read a lot of, um, I've read a lot of tutorials on all of the things that you talked about today, and none ever made sense to me. Oh. <laughs> I've read them and just been like blah 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 blah. <laughs> you know, ISO, huh? So I'm really happy now to be able to think about like the little light catchers inside my camera and the guy opening the window
1: and the, yes, the window and the and the, the door guy. Yeah, guy right? Door you guys. know, like those are those are less, but the first the light catchers, man, the light catchers. Cool, man. Yes, yes, go for look sure.
0: for the look for the light catchers. That should look. be your new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly right. So yeah, I, I mean, and and the, my um, my, you know, in in closing advice, I would just say shoot all the time. Like if you really, really, that's what that's that's how I got to be where I am now, and where I am now is nowhere near where I hope I am in five years, right? Okay, like yes. I look at my book, my my book, which did really well and people compliment me on, I, I can't even look at those photographs anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I published those because I feel like I've grown that much. And the only way you're going to grow as a photographer is to shoot as much as possible every day, shoot all the time, just keep shooting and you'll, you'll get it. You'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. This has been really great. Um, I'm sure that you've got plenty of stuff on your blog about the same kind of thing. Um,
1: I do. And as a matter of fact, if you, if you go on the shop section of my blog, I actually have an ebook that you can purchase from download. And it talks about all this stuff that we've been talking about, like, and it's specifically for beginners, like from how to choose a camera that you want to shoot with all the way through to the light catchers and the, and the, and the door opening guy and the stuff like that. So you can also, you can always do that as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I will put a link to that in the show notes and you'll be able to find those at thehomehour.com. Just look for episode 64. Wow. Um, Karen, what a pleasure. I will have you on the show again soon, I hope. Until then, enjoy the rest of your travels and your fall and all those good things. And everybody just listen to Karen's advice. Just keep shooting and look for the light. And real quick, everyone, I want to mention that Karen is generously giving us a 30% discount to all listeners on her ebook, Beginning Focus on Finding a Camera, The Basics of Photography and Taking Great Shots. It is a beautiful, very informative ebook with $20 value. And she's giving us a 30% discount if you use the discount coupon, Happy Home at checkout. That will expire December 31st. So make sure you get on that ASAP. You'll be taking better pictures before you know it. Thanks a lot, Karen. And you can find a link to that book um, at the show notes for this, for this episode, which would be at thehomehour.com. Just look for episode 64. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Home Hour on the Life Listened Network. If you want to hear more episodes of The Home Hour, go ahead and go to thehomehour.com and you'll find all the episodes there. You can also visit our Lifestyle Podcast Network to find more shows about motherhood, style, work, and more. That's at lifelistened.com. Thanks a lot.